Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for November 6, 2017. This is going to be a short podcast because it's a really short, tiny slate. Only three games. And this is a tough slate because we have a Brooklyn Suns game where both teams play really deep benches. And then a Boston-Atlanta game, which has a chance to blow out. And then a Miami at Golden State game, which not a guaranteed blowout. But even if the game just plays to its spread, it's probably a blowout. So we'll start with the Boston Celtics at the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, so we have Boston playing in Atlanta. So not quite as much a blowout as the Golden State game, but still a chance of a blowout. From the Boston side of the game, Kyrie's a decent play. He's going to be getting Dennis Schroeder defense. Schroeder is one of the worst defensive players in the league. And then for the rest of the guys on Boston... Marcus Smart had a pretty good game today. What was his minutes like? He played 28 minutes, but that game was also a blowout. So at the beginning of the year, Marcus Smart played 35 minutes on opening night, and then he played 32 minutes in the next game and ended up getting injured. His minutes went up to 28 today. So I actually think that Marcus Smart at 5,100 can make for a decent value play because I think if this game does stay competitive, which is a pretty big if, he could get to around 35 minutes. So I think that he would be very likely to hit value if his minutes are full. And then from the Atlanta side of the game, uh, Dennis Schroeder, I think, is a pretty strong play at 7,100. He's really only missed value in one game all year, and that was in a blowout against uh, against the, the Rockets. Yeah, it was the Rockets the other day. He had a real dud. He had 20-something fantasy points. He's been 35-plus in every other game so far this year. So at 7,100, I think he has a good amount of upside. And then the other player who I like a lot is John Collins. Collins, uh, his minutes are trending up. Dwayne Dedman's minutes are trending down a little bit. And the other thing that's really nice about Dedman is even if this game does happen to turn into a blowout, John Collins is playing garbage time minutes anyway. So what do you think about the chances of a blowout for this game, Matt? I don't think they're that high. And I think this game will go pretty under-owned just because uh, there's Warriors playing. And then I think a lot of the ownership will just end up on the Nets-Suns game because the over-under in that game is 236. And people look at that and just want to use players from that game. So with the Atlanta-Boston game having such a low total at, I think it's 205, it's substantially lower than either of the other games. So it could lead to lower ownership. And yeah, there are a couple guys you mentioned there that I definitely think are solid value plays, Smart, and uh, maybe even Al Horford. Uh, definitely Truder and John Collins from the Hawks. So I think you could stack this game. I think maybe Luke Babbitt, uh, or I don't know. If, if you're making several GPP lineups, you could probably use a few different three-point shooters that the Hawks have, like Kent Bazemore and Marco Bellinelli and Luke Babbitt. Um, I would guess that those guys are fairly negatively correlated just because the, they kind of all do similar things and... They're not going to all be able to make threes all the time. There's only so many shots that can go around, especially when Schroeder's playing. So some combination of Schroeder, Collins, and a perimeter player from the Hawks, and then Smart and Horford and one or two other Celtics. I think you can stack this game pretty easily. There's not a lot of not a lot of expensive players from either team. It's really just Kyrie Irving. Uh, and I don't think he's the worst play in the world either. So one potential strategy for this small three-game slate is just stacking the what will probably be the least popular game by a pretty good amount. Yeah, I think I think the other thing, too, is we have a better idea of what the minutes are going to be like for both these teams. So the next game is Brooklyn at Phoenix, and this game should be really high scoring and should be competitive. The issue is we just don't really know what the minutes workload is going to be like. So D'Angelo Russell 
did play a season high, what was it, 35 minutes against the Lakers. So if I knew he was going to play 35 minutes in this game, I would still like him at 8,200. The issue is, is he going to play 35 minutes again? I think it's probably unlikely. Uh, one thing that Matt had said before that I didn't even realize about that game was that Spencer Dinwiddie got into foul trouble. So that was one reason for Russell playing extra minutes. And the other reason for Russell playing extra minutes could have something to do with they were playing the Lakers. The game was in L.A., obviously his former team. So the Nets might have been more willing to let him play extra minutes in that game. 8200 I think that's a very steep price for him. Due to how small the slate is, I wouldn't say that he's unrosterable. But it's kind of close to it at 8,200. And then we have Karis Levert at 4,700. He's been playing around 30 minutes, so I think him at 4,700 is a decent play. Uh, he hasn't played great this season, except he's getting more minutes than most Nets players, which is a positive. Trevor Booker is questionable with the back injury that has kept him out of the last couple games. If he can't play, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is going to get some extra minutes. So I think he'd be in play at 5,900. See what Alan Crabbe's minutes have looked like recently, because he's all the way down to 4,100. He played a ton in the game against the Lakers. He was actually really, really good in that game. Um, so that that could be a fairly popular pick, actually, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it either, because he has played the last three games. He's 27 minutes, 28 minutes, 29 minutes. So somebody playing that many minutes at 4,100, I think that's a decent play. I'm off Dinwiddie at 4,900. Um, from the Phoenix side of the game... Just another one, it's really tricky. What is the, like Mike James, his minutes have been up and down. He's had a couple of decent games, but he's, his minutes, 29, 24, 20 over the last three games. He did have one really good game actually against the Nets where he played 29 minutes. So maybe people just look at that game against the Nets and say like, oh, I need a roster Mike James again. But I I, I don't know, like maybe this is a game where you go to Tyler Ulis because he's so much cheaper now. Ulysses is at 3,800, Mike James at 5,300, and they've just kind of been going back and forth in terms of who plays more per game. So I think I might be a little bit more inclined to use Ulysses just because I think he's cheaper. Well, I know he's cheaper, and I think he'll be lower-owned. And then TJ Warren at 5,700, I think he's worth rostering in GPPs just because he's played really well lately. And I think there is upside to him. There's also the risk that, like everybody else, we don't know the minutes. But the, dish, the the difference with his minute situation is that he was playing a decent amount of minutes. And then he got hurt. I uh, got hit in the face by Ennis Canner the other night, and he came out of the out of the game. And then he played Sunday, and he was on a minutes restriction, but that was just because he wasn't totally back 100%. But we know that if there is no restriction on him, he could play 35 minutes. So I think he's somebody who has the most upside for his price just because he's at 5,700. And since the Suns made the coaching change, his usage, his usage is way up. Yeah, so I think most of the players from this game are complete fades for me. Like D'Angelo Russell, for sure, I think will be pretty high-owned and just too expensive, like you said. So I don't have much interest there. I do think that the minutes that the, the uptick in minutes against the Lakers was definitely an aberration, and we will not see... 30-plus minutes for Russell regularly. I don't think that's a trend because, yeah, Dinwiddie was in foul trouble and also maybe there was some revenge game narrative where the Nets wanted to, I don't know, get the crowd into it for some reason and get Russell on the court more for the fans. But I think it was just because of Dinwiddie's foul troubles that Russell was forced to play extra minutes in that game. Uh, Devin Booker also, I think, is too expensive. So Karis LeVert is probably my favorite player from either team. TJ Warren, I agree with you there. And then 
Ulyss over Mike James for sure. I think those guys are pretty similar players in terms of production if they're playing similar minutes, and Ulyss is just so much cheaper. So there's a bias towards James, I guess, because he's the starter, um, but it's definitely just a bias. I don't think that there's really much validity to it. So I uh, I, I like Ulyss a lot. I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with you because I said it, so <laughs> I'll agree with you agreeing with me. And then the final game on the slate, we have the Warriors, who are huge favorites against the Miami Heat. They did play two games last year, and both of them were pretty competitive, so it's not a total foregone conclusion that this is going to be a blowout. But considering that the spread is 16.5 points, even if the game just plays to the spread, that means the starters probably aren't playing the fourth quarter. But with a three-game slate, it's hard to say that I'm just not going to play. You can't really say I'm not going to play anybody from this game. There's only three games, and we've already said we don't really like a lot of players from the Net Suns game. So it's really, it, I don't think it's doable to just fade this game. I think maybe you could say I'm going to stack Boston-Atlanta and just have lighter exposure. But if you're going to make multiple lineups, I think you have to have some exposure to this game. From the Miami side, there's a lot of upside in Whiteside. He's only 7,000. He played over 30 minutes in the last game. At his peak, he was over 9,000 last year. So I think there's a lot of upside in him at 7,000. Just for a reference point, I think he's 8,700 on FanDuel. So see him all the way down at 7,000 on DraftKings. That's a pretty good indicator if there's value. And then the other thing is Dion Waiters is questionable. He's away from the team, I think, due to the birth of his son. So if he isn't going to play, uh, that's a big boost to Tyler Johnson, who should get extra minutes. Uh, Drogic would have more usage. Josh Richardson would have a bigger role in the offense. And then from the Warriors' side of the game, it's just kind of business as usual going about the Warriors. Anybody can have a big game. It's just kind of hard to figure out which guy it is. Uh, in terms of the big four, obviously, Curry, Durant, Thompson, Green, any of them are able to put up 50, 60-plus fantasy point games. They're all really good players. So I think you could mix and match some of them around. Uh, uh, let's see. I think so. we got Clay Thompson, 6,900, Draymond Green at 74, Durant at 96. Durant at 10,100 is probably the least interesting to me. Uh, and then I, I do prefer Curry to Irving, but for their prices, I like Schroeder more than Curry. And then definitely I like Green and Thompson a decent amount. Which guys do you like the most from the Warriors, Matt? Well, one thing we talked about before we started was uh, the Warriors' specific rotation in terms of the timing of when guys are in. So, in a game that's almost definitely going to be a blowout, and by blowout, I guess 15-plus point game going into the last stretch of, let's say, six minutes or so, um, Clay Thompson plays early in the fourth quarter. I think it's with uh, Kevin Durant. So those guys are playing the start of the fourth kind of no matter what. Like the, the odds of the Warriors being up by enough heading into the fourth quarter where Thompson stays on the bench are pretty low. Because even if it's a 25-point game or so, I think the starters will at least open the fourth quarter on the court. Uh, so that could mean a few extra minutes for Thompson and Durant than for Curry and Green. And Thompson, I think, probably is the best value just based on his price anyway from those Warriors guys. So I like Thompson a lot. I think that he's reasonably enough price that you can fit him in with stacks if you go with the Hawks-Celtics game or um, just various players from all the different games. He just doesn't cost you a lot. And I do prefer Schroeder to Curry like you do. So uh, Thompson is probably my preferred choice there. I think Green and Durant are usable too. And then uh, just overall, I probably wouldn't use a lot of this game just because there's there's such a high risk that the game gets out of hand early. 
Um, so if I had to pick a player, it's Thompson and I guess Whiteside too. But for the most part, I think this is a game to avoid. Yeah, and then I also think it's just kind of worth mentioning that this is a relatively shitty slate. So I don't know if I'm going to play it. If I do, it would just be GPPs and it wouldn't be a lot of volume. So I would uh, I'll also say if you're going to play it, uh, be maybe a little bit cautious of this slate because it, it is really hard to figure out where to go. And there isn't really any value to be had unless there's like a crazy injury or late scratch that pops up tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. Tough slate and uh, we hate recommending sitting out, but I think that that's probably the way to go here unless something changes. So that will wrap up this podcast. Obviously, shorter than usual, just three games. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMBergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense.